You're listening to the Esports Business Network Podcast. Today's guest, Neil Johnson, Director at Esports Events DC. Aside from being the director, Neil is among the top echelon of LAN event organizers in North America and has worked hand-in-hand with some of the biggest names in the esports industry. Enjoy the show. In the zone, here I go. In the zone, here I go. In the zone, here I go. Yeah, they know I'm a pro. Welcome everyone to the Esports Business Network podcast. My name is Cameron. I'm here with the CEO of EBN, Trent Knox. Trent, how you doing? Hey y'all. Nice to be back here again. Let's get this going. Yeah, absolutely. But first, do you mind uh, letting the listeners know what we've got going on over here at EBN? Yeah, for sure. So until the beginning of next year, January 1st, 20, January 1st, 2021, I know we're all looking forward to it. Uh, we are going to be doing a free launch member a lifetime membership to our bronze plan. So if you go in there and you sign up today, you'll get access to lifetime of all those new courses, uh, exclusive events and exclusive uh, additional content to this podcast and additional things. So go on over there to bronze.ebn.gg and take advantage of that today. Oh yeah. Sweet. That's good to know. Um, we're here today with a very special guest. Um, we've been anticipating, anticipating this conversation for quite some time now. Uh, I'd like to welcome Neil Johnson. Neil, how you doing, man? All right. All right. Hey, uh, Cam Trent. Uh, I appreciate uh, you inviting me on the podcast. I know I've listened to one or two before, and uh, excited to be here and maybe give some insights and tell a part of the industry that just really hasn't been told that much. And that is um, esports, uh, hospitality and tourism. I know we focus on brands and orgs and yeah. distribution platforms and stuff like that. But all of these events, you know, at least the live ones, the LAN events are happening somewhere in some some destination, some venue or something like that. So that's kind of where me and, and people like me kind of come in. Yeah. Um, so I guess just starting off, we'll start from the ground level. Um, tell us about yourself and uh, where where you grew up and uh, how was your childhood? Oh, wow. Um, well, my dad was a 30-year a Marine, and, and I say that kind of consciously because once you're a Marine, Marine you're always a Marine. So maybe uh, the correct phrasing is a 30-year active duty. Wow. Um, but I was born in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, my parents are from, my mom is from, the family is from the Northeast, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, by way of Bermuda. And mm. um, my dad's family is from Petersburg, Virginia. So oh, wow. uh, I'm from the Northeast, Connecticut, but with my dad and that, that military lifestyle, we moved all over places in Massachusetts, a couple places out here in the DMV right. area. North Carolina, moved out west in um, the eighth grade in San Diego in 83. So oh, cool. have uh, been all over, um, you know, but I think that's part of part of the story. And I think that's part of who I am, because you can literally just drop me anywhere. You know, I'll find common ground. There's something that we can connect with, you know, part of country, a life experience, sports teams, colleges, right. universities, interests. There's something, you know, that I feel like can, I can connect with you on. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's very similar to my lifestyle. It's probably why we connected, and we we had uh, sort of that synergy at first whenever we started talking. Yeah, uh, my dad was is just retired, twenty eight years in uh, the U.S. Army, and um, yeah, I, I I have sort of a similar uh, growing up. But what about gaming? was included in your childhood um i think like 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 most you know kids you know you had the atari and you had the nintendo and then you you got into um into the xbox and ps4 you know ones twos three fours um i think probably one of the games and i remember you know listening kind of i told you guys i listened to like one of the previous podcasts and i believe you had asked that question to a Sarah and I think she said the legend of Zelda mm-hmm. or something like that. I think for me, um, the, the game that I played just all through and like, you know, there were like fights with the parents, you know, going to sleep was just tech mobile, <laughs> you know, just hood, 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 yeah. hood. Like all day, every day, you know, yeah. like that's all you heard. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
those those were the good old days. I uh, I'm I'm 26 years old, so that was a little bit before my time, but I still played them and I loved them. Uh, it, that's that's cool that you uh, began uh, at that time period, and that's the the game that caught your eye. Um, so can you tell us the story uh, in which you were first introduced into esports? Wow. Um... I was working for the Los Angeles Tourism and Convention Board, um, kind of handling uh, traditional conventions and meetings, regular conventions, association business. And um, a friend of mine who was a chief sales officer at MGM Resorts, uh, Michael Dominguez, had reached out to me and was like, hey, um, I've got a position I want to run by you. Um, It's a director of global sales handling sports, but in particular esports. And so I, um, huh. I respected him and, and he's a, he's a definitely a, a mentor and somebody I look at, but I think the cool thing is that he gave me the freedom, you know, I think he knows my personality. I am a, I build things, I build markets and, and I've, I've jumped around and been asked to build markets and he gave me the freedom and the autonomy to kind of jump into esports. And, and it's funny, like, like I said, I played like some video games back in the day, but I really didn't know anything about this world of esports. And I think this was March of 2016. And I think, you know, maybe even going a little back further, like 2015 is kind of where you really begin to see the the roots of esports in terms of what it is now, you know, and just how big it is now. And like, you know, the localization of esports and this and that. But, you know, we we jumped in in like 2015 we didn't really know what we, we had. We had a tiger by the tail in hosting Evo every year, the uh, FGC championship. So I came in in 2016. We I think we had just hosted our first Evo. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what it was, but by the end of the event, we're like, wow, this is great. And it was on ESPN too. Um, so then I'm tasked with this market and some other markets. Wow. So I started in, in, in March of 16, and it, it's taken me about five months to kind of swing around and start looking at esports. But the guys from MLG, um, Adam Apicella, John Curran kind of reached out. They were looking at doing an MLG Vegas, you know, and I was kind of like, well, hey, that's great. I really don't know what you guys do. I said, when's the next event you're having? So they had an MLG um, Orlando. And so I went out there and I get there and um, I'm walking across the street to the event with with a uh, attached from FaZe and he's a cool kid. And then, I, you know, like 45 minutes, he's up 45 minutes later, he's up on the main stage just going off on like streaks. I'm like, dude, you would tell me you were like a beast walking with you, man. Um, but <laughs> it was like weird because I was like new. And so I'm kind of like, OK, what's the objective? Okay, they play um, play X number of maps. You know, the first one searching. I mean, the first one is um, hardpoint. Then uh, search and destroy. They do that twice, and then they got another one. You know, and like, what's the objective? Okay, first of two fifty, first of six. How's the crowd kind of going in? What? How's the crowd kind of vibing on the different teams? Okay, they got the sixteen best teams in the in in the world, but they got also have a players bracket. What's going on in the players bracket? You know, and I'm just kind of like watching everything. And like I get there in the morning and I'm like, I'm hungry. But like the best teams are now starting to play now. And it's working to where like FaZe and, 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 and Optic Gaming are playing and the green walls just going nuts. And I'm like, I am starving, but I am not leaving this seat because I don't know what's going on, but I love it though, you know? And I didn't eat until like 11, <laughs> you know, and I had to go rush back to the, the hotel lobby and, and, you know, to the restaurant and like put in some order of something, you know, just because to get something to eat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, if you spent a whole day and you didn't even eat, this got, this has to be something that, you know, is, is intriguing. Yeah, man, that's such an interesting story. Uh, it's really cool. You It says a lot about your character that, how you were describing how you just soaked everything in from the crowd to the actual matches and who was up there and what was going on. I can only imagine how that experience felt. Um, from what I understand, you and Trent actually uh, ran into each other at a uh, LAN event. Is this correct? Yeah. Not really, or, but sort of. Sort of? Okay. Um, Let's hear it. More Actually, our recent, our most recent um 
meeting was at uh, DreamHack Anaheim. But the first time we met was actually at an industry event, uh, South by Southwest down here in Austin. And um, we were at a, we were just mixer. We were at a mixer, I guess that's sort of what our networking event and um, just a bunch of people just sharing their stories. And I heard um, Neil asked me about my journey and I, I was, this is my second year, I guess, like kind of into uh, esports. And um, I'd, I'd been starting to do the video production on the uh, going to events and covering them and sort of stuff like that. And, and Neil just had like an incredible resume. I want to know more about what he was doing. And, you know, at the time, I think you were still at MGM uh, before you now moved over to Eve, uh, now at uh, Events DC. If you want to tell us more about Events DC, that'd be awesome. Yeah, well, uh, for one, I'll, I'll jump in on, on my recollection recollection of uh, of that as well, and then kind of jump into Events DC. But yeah. um, I know it was uh, Austin, but I I think it might have been DreamHack Austin hmm. first, and not South by because I think you were doing like, some freelance production work for them. Oh, um, I was doing some. I, I was doing media with them. But I, it's weird because DreamHack lets you do so much. They let you do like some like original content that they'll post up on their platforms. And then you also have like kind of an open distribution of it. So, yeah, it was kind of like a shared situation. But, yeah, it was like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. So so uh, I think I'm, I believe it's DreamHack Austin, but it's definitely Austin. So we're, we're yeah, we're at a van. I think we're at a mixer. And you know, um, you're just kind of getting out, getting out, trying yeah. to trying to connect and know people and stuff like that. So I see Trent, you know, young dude, you know, and I'm kind of checking, you know, hey, what's going on? Well, I do production and stuff like that. And then he asked me, you know, kind of my path. And I, you, you are correct. I was at MGM Resorts and kind of talked about some of the stuff that we um, had hosted. I'm trying to see, was it 17? I don't know if we had gotten really into like hitting our stride in terms of hosting everything at MGM at the time, because we had a really good resume, but we had a couple things on the books, but I told uh, Trent about kind of where I was at. And I think he was kind of like, wow, well, what's your career path? And so I kind of talked to him about that. And I think he was still kind of grinding, you know, um, didn't know the, that this, you know, venture was coming along. And then, yeah, we, we connected in February at um, DreamHack Anaheim and we saw him again. And I still don't think this was in the works. You might have been talking about this in February, but I didn't I didn't think you were that close to kind of building this and getting this up and running. No, because if it was kind of a pivot due to the pandemic. You know, this was like something I thought maybe could happen a lot longer down the road because I wanted to, you know, first give back as much as I could to the community and through like video production and just like as much content as possible. But when you can't go to events and create the content, then you kind of have to figure out a different way to stay connected with the community. And so that's why I kind of developed this um, to kind of still be able to to, to give some form of content to, to people and especially through the podcast and cam, of course. Yeah. Um, so now that we know where, where you came from, Neil, and um, you know, we know how you got into the esports industry and how you even met Trent. Um, can you give us a description of what you do now um, and what you have done and what you're planning to do in the future? Okay. Um, well, actually I, I uh, cam, let me, let me ask you, you were when you were still at MGM, you were booking stuff for HyperX, right? Still, uh, no, no. So, I guess I'll start there, you know, at, at MGM. Um, when, when, when I started at MGM, I was a director of global sales, yeah, and I was in charge of bringing conventions, meetings, events that specifically were in convent designated convention and meeting uh space, as well as had an attached room block to it. Um, but esports is so big that we actually had so many, we had a number of different departments that kind of touched the space as well. So if I am handling esports from designated convention and meeting space, ballrooms and hotel rooms, then another one of my colleagues is handling that from venue space. So that's T-Mobile, MGM Grand Garden Arena, Mandalay Bay Event Center, anything that's booked there. Then I've got another colleague that was with Casino uh, Gaming, and that's like the show floor 
of tomorrow. Like um, when you're walking around a casino floor, the games are uh, esports, skill based games. And they were the ones who had kind of identified this opportunity to um, gut one of the nightclubs out there um, at, at Luxor and, and reach out to the guys from Allied to bring in the HyperX Arena. So that's another. And then you've got um, the people in corporate sponsorship that do cash or in-kind sponsorships. Oh, okay. You have corporate marketing and corporate social media. So we had about six or seven heads that were all kind of connected working through through this thing called esports that we all didn't know, although we all knew our respective disciplines. You know, so um, so that's kind of what I did, you know, there. Now, when I was there, I mean, we had a really good run. I mean, we brought in Evo um, every year and saw that thing just build and build and grow. And that's, you know, the FGC championships. Yeah, and that was awesome. We also brought in DreamHack Masters, just their CSGO um, title event, and we had that at MGM Grand, and that was cool. And actually, the qualifying rounds were on the casino floor, you know, so that attendees and, and just fans, you know, and, and patrons can kind of get a, a glimpse of that. But then um, also um, with the resulting partnership and relationship with Allied Esports, they were wow. – they um, – rented that area out, you know, but it was in our best interest to make sure that we filled that, um, that space. So in that, um, we had Ninja Vegas, you know, uh, right before Ninja blew up and it was like, right. But right after his, um, yeah, him streaming with Drake. So we had him out there and he had like nine flights of like a Fortnite, I believe like a, like a 11 year old kid won like the last like round uh, flight against him. We've had held League of Legends um, All-Star uh, event there, I think a couple of years now, Capcom Cup there. Um, we hosted NBA 2Ks to turn um, their first tournament outside of their studios in Long Island um, in their first, uh, I think in their second year. And then um, the World Series of Esports was also based out of our properties, at uh, that one at Aria. And they were like monthly competitions between like Soul Calibur and Tekken and Madden and stuff like that. So we've had a really good presence at MGM. And I think one of the last things I did when I was there, I booked the Esports Business Summit, which I'm on their board now. Um, we But we booked that at MGM Grand uh, last year. So we've had a good track record there. And I think one of the interesting things um, there and I'll compare and contrast and then start kind of getting into to what I do now is when we were getting up and running, we were trying to, we knew about esports, We knew there was a directive. Hey, let's try to make a splash out there. But we were like, how do we do it? You know, how do you jump into something that you don't really kind of know? Um, do we sponsor a team? You know, like, okay, well, we've got the money, but is it the best spend? And is it the right title? Do we know about the right team? Um, do we jump in and sponsor a platform? You know, we didn't know about that, you know, but then we're kind of like, no, these events have to happen somewhere. We've got over 4 million square feet of meeting space between our hotels. We've got some 55,000 hotel rooms. Um, we've got a number of venues. So, like, let's just go after trying to bring, secure live events. So that's what we did there, which – and when we were looking at that, because Vegas is a younger city, we don't have like all like the depths of like the, the youth leagues and this is and that's and, and, and a lot of universities. So we just focused on championship level. Um, you can have a series of events or whatever, and they can start somewhere, but bring your championship to Vegas. So we had a championship mentality when we were in Vegas, like, um, I guess for all intents and purposes, like, you know, if you got a, you know, an event, like work the kinks out in a couple cities. And then when you get to the championship, bring it to us. And that I say is a different approach to who we, what we do at events DC. Now at events DC, we are the main um, convention sports uh, authority sports arm for the district of Columbia. And so we are charged with bringing conventions, meetings, events, traditional stick and ball events, um, esports events, cultural events, concerts, what have you. We've got relationships with a, we own nine venues in the area, including a convention center. 
including um, the entertainment and sports arena where the Washington Wizards of the NBA practice, the Mystics of the WNBA play, DC Gogo of the NBA D uh, League, they they play. Um, we own the DC Armory, which is a joint venture with the National Guard. Um, so three weeks of the year, we pretty much own all the scheduling there. And then one week of the year, the National Guard actually has their physical training there. And then uh, we own uh, Nat Stadium, where the still defending World Series champion Nationals play. And uh, we lease that back to them. So we own nine venues here. And it's all about kind of um, promoting D.C. as a destination for conventions, meetings and special events. Now, as it relates to, to esports here, we got started in 17 and um, it was a it was a different approach, whereas Vegas was a championship approach. I think this approach was more of a community approach. Um, you've got 22 universities um, in, in the, the, the DMV area. Uh, see Maryland, Virginia area, uh, right or right in the DC area, mm-hmm. and you've got a whole bunch of grassroots, and it's you know it's been a part of the country that's been around for a while. So there's so many different levels. So I would say here we approach esports from levels. You know what are we doing on the collegiate scene? What are we doing on the high school level? What are we doing grassroots? What are we doing with local land centers? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the approach. So we've done some things, you know, uh, Madden tournaments with uh, local boys and girls clubs. Uh, we've done a, a Dota 2 minor in one of our venues. Um, we did a, a joint collab with uh, Red Bull on a, a FlyQuest event. And um, But probably one of the biggest things we did back then, and I wasn't part of the team because I've only been with NCC since January. But uh, kudos to the team that was here before me. But um, we wanted to make a splash in esports, so we um, mm-hmm. were the first destination to sponsor a team, and so we sponsored NRG. And so we've got that relationship with NRG, and then as you see mm-hmm. the the localization of esports in terms of like you know the NBA 2K League, the Overwatch League, and and now um, Call of Duty League. We also now sponsor the Washington Justice of Overwatch and Wizards of District Gaming, who just won the NBA 2K League this year. So we sponsor them as well. So we sponsor three wow. professional teams. Well, I'm sure that our listeners are drooling after hearing about your decorated resume uh, and all the people that you've met and worked with. Uh, it's it's pretty fascinating, man. It's really cool to hear about um, and it's really nice to be able to have a conversation with someone that's, you know, been to the highest levels um, and spoken to the people at the highest level uh, in the esports industry. Now, do you have plans uh, for anything in the future? Um, I don't want to get too much into talks about the pandemic just yet, but do you have uh, set plans maybe uh, for lane events? I would say um in staying with your direction and not quite talking about the pandemic just yet, I would just say, um, going back to what I just said, here at NCC, we kind of take a local approach to our um, building of the the esports scene. And now, I would say, now it's we are looking to kind of nationally level that up. Um, in terms of, we think we've got great grassroots, but now we need some signature events. And so now we are looking at your your dream hacks. We are looking at um, PAX programs unplugged. We're looking at um, esports business summits and um, esports bars. And we're looking at national level educational conferences, individual title championships or say um, with like riots like North American LCS or something like that. We are looking for those major signature events that really kind of put you on the map because what we are trying to do now is that we're trying to break through the clutter of some destinations that are out there. And I would say um, you've got Southern Cal, which is definitely big because a lot of the orgs live there. And a lot of the tournament operators are based there. You probably even say that for like the Bay Area and like Seattle. But Vegas has done a good job in terms mm-hmm. of creating a championship 
mentality. I think the Texas in general, Austin, Dallas, Fort Worth, they've done a good job in terms of like the orgs being there and with the eSports awards being there and with uh, the stadium in Arlington. Atlanta has done a good job with high res being there, E-League being there, DreamHack being there. And um, Philadelphia seems like they're coming along. They they just hosted uh, the Overwatch uh, finals last year. Um, Nerd Street is doing great things out there. And um, they've got their new arena coming up. I think there's a PAX Unplugged there. So we really think in terms of breaking out of that clutter and kind of um, a long-term goal of just ascending into a, a top three to five destination domestically, a top – 10 to 15 destination in the world. Is that something aspirationally that we're looking towards? So mm. you're definitely looking toward to level things up and, okay. and, and bring in some national uh, events. That makes, that makes more sense. That's pretty cool, man. That's great to hear. Um, so if you don't mind, Neil, we're going to take a second and uh, let Trent mention a couple more things about EBN. If that's cool. Yeah, good. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's uh it's a good time to 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 say if you've not already leveled up your membership with us, you can go back to the EBN website, bronze.ebn.gg, and upgrade your free membership to a bronze membership. Again, that's till January 1st, 2021, that you'll get lifetime access to that bronze membership. And if you want to mem- really represent your membership with Esports Business Network, head on over to our Amazon merch store at um HTTP uh, colon forward slash forward slash merch dot EBN dot GG. Pick up a shirt, a hoodie for the winter. And remember, EBN's got your back. Uh, don't negotiate without us at your side. Uh, so <laughs> actually, can I dial it back a yeah. little bit? Yeah, might as well. If it's we'll all right it, with bro. you. All right, Cam. I'm wondering, I'm wondering something. Neil, how did you get into the events, hospitality, and travel industry before esports? Wow. Um, I was a, a business administration uh, major sports marketing man, uh, minor at the University of Oregon. And through the University of Oregon, there is a, a pipeline along with probably about another six um Universities, University of South Carolina, University of Massachusetts, University of North Carolina, Greeley. It's about six to eight that kind of have a pipeline into Disney sports arms. So it was um, Anaheim Sports Incorporated that um, that owns and operates the Angels and Mighty Ducks for the hockey and baseball. And so I got there and I interned. Oh. And then through that kind of time period, I was um, – I was in that ESPN Disney family. So Disney owned ESPN. So then my, my dad finally uh, retired, um, hung his hat up as a, as a Marine in Las Vegas. And so um, Mm. ESPN had taken over the marketing and sponsorship rights to UNLV's athletics, 16 um, collegiate sports so we did marketing, radio, TV, signage, promotions, um, stuff like that for UNLV Athletics. And in that capacity, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, the a, a oh, similar kind that. of property, I mean, organization like the one I work for right now with Events DC, but for Vegas, um, they were a main sponsor of UNLV Athletics. So their president and CEO, who I had met, and some of the other people there, they had a, um, a junior kind of mm-hmm. exec program um, called an account rep program. So they brought me over there. It's like a glorified intern. It's about 18 months. And you just spend, you know, um, three, four months with just yeah. different departments, different, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, you spend time with the ad agency that kind of makes up the what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, kind of commercials. And then it's you, sort of you like actually put on some, right? some weird khaki yeah. pants and in, 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 in khaki vest. And you're at a visitor information center telling people how to get to the Grand Canyon or something like that. And then you're spending time with like diversity <laughs> and kind of like, what are our initiatives? What are we, how, how are we kind of giving back or corporate CSR? 
and stuff like that. And then you kind of get oh, into the okay. various kind of sales, you know, like how do we market, promote, bring conventions to the city? So you get a really good kind of base, you know, in terms of uh, what's going on. And so then after that, I got promoted um, as a, oh, a leisure cool. sales um, um, direct, uh, executive. And so then we had like the Western third of the U.S. It was working with travel agents, um, dot coms, booking dot com, stuff like that. Yeah. Airlines that started new service to Vegas and you would just go out there. You would do casino nights. You would do constant presentations. Oh. I remember one, we went to um, the JetBlue Reservation Centers in Utah and we did like um, their travel agents came in, you know, on the hour, every hour, you did like 16 presentations, you know, like all five minutes long saying the same stuff. And you're like, you know, after the sixth time, you're like, you can hear yourself talk and you're coming out of your body and then you're coming back into your body and then you're listening like, Oh, I sound weird right there, but you're still talking. Though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what did you ever see? Did you ever anticipate yourself doing your work you do today? Nah, I, I, I love, being on the city level, I love representing a city because there's so much that goes into that. So our job is to go out and, and market and promote a city. And what we do is that we bring um, yeah. out-of-towners into the city and, and then they get charged a room tax. But that room tax then, in turn, it goes back to the local municipality. So it goes back to um, – the schools, it goes back to the hospitals, it goes back to help building roads and, and doing all this other stuff. So when you, the work that you do, you know that it's helping employ people, you know that it's helping to create a positive economy, you know, uh, and, and so you can look around in the city, you know that you're doing a good job in addition to just the buzz and the excitement that people have when they're actually at, at like a boxing event or an esports event or a March Madness event, you know. So I I really like that. And so I've done that for Las Vegas. I've done that for Los Angeles, completely different cities. Um, and I'm excited to do that now for Washington, D.C. This is kind of like my third go around in terms of like repping a city. And then when I worked for MGM, we owned like half the city, you know, so that was cool. But this is my third time going around where we're like, you're completely repping a city. And, you know, when you're kind of going back, trying to get the dream hacks and the PAXs and, and everybody to come to your city, you have to tell the complete story of your city, you know, like why come here? And so it, there's so much that's going on in a district that it's, it's awesome. I had mentioned that, okay, we've got, two professional esports teams, maybe three, because uh, there is a professional NHL um, component here too. But then you've got um, the collegiate scene, you know, with George Washington and Georgetown and and, and other universities. And, and there's a, a an uptick in terms of HBCUs with the deal with Twitch and the deal with Collegiate Star League. So we've got Howard here in D.C. And then you've got Bowie State in Maryland. You've got some other ones nearby but then you've got the Entertainment Software Association, which produces E3, is based here. You've got the Computer Technology Asso um, Association, which produces CES in Vegas, is based here. You've got the National Association of Broadcasters, and about half of everything that's going on in esports is digital. They're based here. You've got, we've got a developer in our backyard in Bethesda Softworks here. You know, you've got the military mm -hmm. investing in esports like nobody's business, the National Guard, the Army, the Navy, and all that bubbles here through the Department of Defense. So this truly, and you've got a younger demo that's in like fields that are esports or STEAM or STEM related. So you've got everything that you need, you know, in terms of being a hotbed. And then you kind of like were equally positioned on the Eastern seaboard from New York to Miami when all these operators are looking at events, they're looking at capturing a European and a Pacific time standard uh, audience. We're in between both of those. Uh, we've got uh, three airports to service the area. So, I mean, there's there's nothing not to like here, you know. And I just think we we just haven't kind of connected all the dots. So I think that's kind of in terms of like leveling, leveling up and um, – 
right. getting all these kind of national tiered events and international, you know, it's connecting the dots with the community. It's kind of doing something quarterly that brings us all together, all gets us all on the same page. And then, you know, when we bring these people in, you know, have components of all of those there to kind of speak to the ecosystem here, yeah. you know? Yeah, man. That's, I mean, just the work that you do with the community alone is, is, uh, I'm sure satisfactory, but, uh, you know, all the excitement and, uh, and everything as well as probably getting paid for it. So, uh, aside from that, you know, that's, that's amazing. I would love to be in that position. And, you know, I never really thought of Washington DC or the district of Columbia, uh, being such a hotbed, but now that you bring up all those, uh, institutions and stuff that are going, uh, that are there. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, so I guess now we can talk about the sneezing elephant in the room, so to speak. <laughs> um, so as we learned today, uh, COVID is reluctant to stay relevant in all aspects of our lives. Um, how has this subject affected your business and your daily life? Well, it's definitely affected the the business because um, in in all of my stops, the way that I've always approached attack the market is just boots on the ground. You know, I take a look at the calendars. I'm I'm at um, a couple of Call of Duty events, or I've been at the championships or the kickoff. I would have been at the Overwatch finals. I would have been at the League of Legends North American qualifier. I would have been at TwitchCon. I would have been BlizzCon. Um, I would have been, and then just individual weeks of sales calls in different parts of the country. So that has all changed. And actually, I was doing a week of sales calls in the Bay Area. I was meeting with Bandai, Namco, Twitch, um, EA Sports. And then slowly, all the physical meetings started to be like, Zoom meetings, the conference calls, the cancellations. I was like, wow, you know, and they're like, okay, get your butt back home. The world is changing. Um, but when you come back, you know, one of the things, and I think we all know, um, esports is front and center because it was natively digital, you know, and so um, you adjust your 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 plans of that. So we were we just signed a deal with a local um, land center, but I, I guess land center may not even be doing them justice because they actually teach, you know, the games and they actually teach about nutrition and ergonomic design and stuff like that. So they're more than just a land center, but uh, it's the game gym out here. And we just did a partnership with them um, for virtual events. And we, uh, we just finished the first one of three. Um, so the first one is, is the DMV, uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia, end of summer bash. And so that was two and a half day program with like, um, about five to 10 Ted style talks on esports topics. Then we had about six panels and then we had esports competitions. Three, we had one in Valorant, one in Overwatch and one in Rocket League. And also, um, North America has been awarded, um, world cup 2026, and so now 17 cities are vying to be 10 host cities for that. So um, we put in a bid. So we um, one of the segments was about our efforts in terms of um, trying to be one of the host cities for DC, uh, DC 20, 2026. And so we talked about, you know, FIFA. And we had some some professional soccer players on there. So we did that. And then now we um, actually on the fourth, we are launching uh, district esports league. Uh, our first title is going to be an eight week run for, um, rocket wow. league. And so that starts on uh, the fourth and then that will culminate with another two and a half day kind of extravaganza December 4th through six or end of summer bash. Um, so we've got these events and they're all virtual. You, you have to have a kind of a presence and then, um, I've got some some buddies out here. I mean, we sponsor the Justice and we sponsor Wizards District Game and the NBA 2K team. And I've got a good friend out here with the U.S. Navy. So we still have this on the, the docket to do um, a Call of Duty Warzone kind of um, activation 
where we take um, U.S. sailors, we pair them up with esports local professionals in the area, and we just run rounds of uh, Call of Duty Warzone. That's something that kind of got pushed to the back burner. You know, we hadn't crossed the finish line on that, but we're going to bring that up. So that's another thing that we're kind of looking at. But just recently in like the past, like maybe two, three weeks, um, we're working on a concept. It's not finalized yet, you know, but we're working on a concept that we're pretty excited about. And that is like um, that bubble concept, you know, where the NBA, the WNBA are in Florida and the NHL was in Edmonton. Um, we own the venues out here, nine, and, and our convention center is like 2.4 million square feet. One of our hotels is adjacent and actually has an underground connector. Another one um, is right across the street, but we can sit down here and kind of like line up buses that kind of bring you around a, a loop into our convention center. So we are working on a bubble concept that we're finalizing. And then once we do, and we wow. get buy off from the mayor and stuff that we will actually, you know, pitch, pitch to everybody, leagues, tournament organizers, uh, developers, you know, and kind of another way to have a presence, find some way to kind of bring in some, some monetary income, you know, during this period. But um, I think once we kind of get that and we've really done our due diligence in terms of checking in with the local health authorities and all the different thermal scanners and just, you know, different sprays in the air that kind of land on like railings and that kind of like disseminate, you know, uh, dissipate germs and stuff like that. We've really done a good job on that. So we're finalizing that concept right now. And that's something that we're kind of looking to push out virtually is basically all you can do right now. Uh, But if you can present Mm -hmm an opportunity for a protected bubble environment. Well, then you've, and other cities are doing that too. You know, we're, we're not alone in that, you know, but um, when you present different opportunities and then kind of going back to the laundry list of like why DC, I think you begin to create and present a compelling story. Yeah. What is, what does it look like for uh, an event producer like yourself, promotion company and, and, and what you've got going on for, like the consumer metric of the bubble. Also, maybe you can even just kind of get, highlight what it looked like before for, against what it's going to look like in the future. Um, well, I, I, I think before, when you're looking to secure events, there's a couple touch points, a couple buzzwords, you know, that, you know, just throwing out there like, your dream acts or somebody like that there or that are looking at and that this is a, a digital environment. So the internet and the internet provider, you have to have a great relationship with them, you know, because internet makes or breaks all of these things. Then after that, you're looking at union labor, um, general service contractors who are putting the carpets down and all this other stuff and kind of building that show floor experience, building all the booths for the exhibitors and stuff like that. You're looking at food and beverage. You're looking at mm-hmm. destination incentives to kind of bring people there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're looking at, you know, partnerships. You know, what I found, you know, for because a lot of these um, tournament organizers are producing X number mm-hmm. of events and they don't have the bandwidth to sit here and do actual marketing promotions um, in each individual destination. So that's something that we bring to the table as well as that we will help produce a, a dedicated marketing kind of campaign to help generate and boost um, attendance. But that's kind of like in a world before or a world when we kind of get back to. But I think this bubble concept, um, and it's weird because like the traditional stick and ball, you know, and they're, they, traditionally they seem to be a little slower, but it's kind of weird because they were very quick to adopt this bubble concept. You know, when you saw just, I mean, like the, the NBA and NHL worked like gangbusters. It was like, it was so great. And now you can have additional revenue or different engagement with like all the virtual fans in there, you know, so that's a new element that I think is here to stay, you know, but, um, but uh, we are just kind of coming around. I, I mm-hmm. think I saw, the Call of Duty League for 2021 was looking at a bubble concept, and they've got a couple of destinations in mind. I'm trying to get in, get in there, weasel my way in there, and get in there too. 
um, if not, you know, we'll look at other, you know, developers and leagues and titles and, and stuff like that. But I think this bubble deal just kind of creates a, a unique opportunity. Now, each local jurisdiction, you, you kind of have to go on what's going on. Um, right. Yeah. In terms of like what the the mayor is the highest ranking official in, in D.C. because we're not a state. But if you're a state, then it's the governor. But it's like, what's the mayor or the governor putting a cap at the number of attendees that can be in a physical meeting? You know, so um, our numbers are, are lower. We've kind of really been aggressive mm-hmm. in terms of attacking this virus. So we have been very cautious and it's worked because people are alive, you know, but um, there is that kind of limitation on numbers. So we can provide a bubble concept. It could be just competing teams and we're kind of on uh, the the cusp of, of possibly the mayor increasing mm-hmm. that attendees list. So it could be more, but I definitely think just, um, even at a reduced number of attendees, you know, whether it's just, you know, the competing teams, you know, coaches, organizational staff members, it's better than just having these teams compete online where you're dealing with like, you know, latency and stuff like that. I think with like um, Call of Duty League, uh, I think the one of the teams previously had to like forfeit or were just at a very disadvantage because one of the players, you know, internet went out mm-hmm. or like that and not everybody's working on the same system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hand-eye coordination, it's that split second that's, you know, between, you know, you closing out our map or going to the fifth map, you know? And so I think a bubble concept, you know, no matter what those parameters are in terms of uh, max capacities, it has to be something better mm-hmm. than just mm-hmm. doing everything online. Well, hopefully in a in a bubble concept for an esports uh, league, it looks a little different than uh, what happens in the NBA or or even the, the NHL or MLB sorts of situations. You know, they've had. Yeah. I think they have different needs than than esports does, because because we we're we're used to you know playing for several hours in our right. in our own you know, confined spaces. So I think we would deal with it better. I think in some of those limited capacities, I think you can have like teams. I think you can have um, esports media there to kind of like uh, broadcast that out. Um, I think some level of fans and cheering section would be cool. And, and um, the great thing about, you know, esports production is like, you know, no matter what the, the room is, you know, they can make it work, you know? So, if you just kind of whatever the, the, the limited amounts were, I think you can make it work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think that will be really cool. So we're, we're trying to, you know, get our ducks in a row and get all this buttoned up and then start to yeah, sure. package this up and, and, and present this to, to different companies in this space. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. We've, we've seen a few companies uh, ride this wave of unfortunate opportunity, if you will. Um, do you see this growth, uh, this exponential growth of esports um, that we've that's apparent? Do you see it maintaining or sort of plateauing as the uh, illness subsides? I see it definitely increasing, but just the rate of the increase, it, it, it can't sustain itself. I mean, the reason why it's jumped up is because people can't go anywhere. Yeah. You know, now once you lift those limitations, people are going to get back to going out. I mean, um, I was just on a golf course playing 18 holes, you know, a couple of days ago. And the more I can get out there and golf, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> you know, so um, the more you kind of open that up, you know, I think it's going to be some of that pace is going to leave. But I think we've still have maybe three, four months. I mean, we're kind of getting, you know, an idea that it. Definitely by Q1, the, com- right, the, the right. country, the world is still going to be very tight in terms of seeing how things go. And so Q2, you, there may be, you know, some light at the end of the tunnel. So I think how we kind of handle things and persist, position things moving forward still is going to dictate, you know, how if we can 
not have drastic reductions. But don't get me wrong, we're definitely going to continue right. to increase because now that people have seen this and exposed that and, and, they, and they're hooked the way that I was hooked, I mean, they're, we're not going backwards. But I just don't think that it's going to be the growth that we had right now because we were the only thing people could do. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, man. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's it's uh, we're going to hit a fork in the road, so to speak, and it's uh, still to be determined. Um, so I guess enough cough talk, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we've got two separate uh, sets of audiences. Um, one that are individuals intrigued by the business or obsessed with gaming that are looking to enter the industry. And two, they're already somewhat successful and looking to network or grow. Um, so for the audience that is brand new to the world of esports and the business that coincides, um, what sort of advice do you have to them? Uh, if you could go back to the beginning of it all and give yourself advice, what would that advice be? I think um, in this day and age, I don't care what, what industry you're in, you have to be a, a steward, a, a, a steward of your industry. I think you have to really look at your craft as something that's special. And I think you have to put the work in to, to understand it. Um, when I first kind of came in, like I said, my approach is boots to the ground. So um, it's fortunate for me. I had management at MGM and here at events DC that this was a priority fortunate for me that we had budget, you know, um, to allow me to get out, but I got out. I went to educational conferences. I went to seminars. I went to esports competitions. I did sales calls. I was just out as much as I possibly could. And mm -hmm. I wasn't like at events out there to, Mm-hmm. Well, let's say I wasn't out there solely just to network. I was out there to understand the title, the scene, the network for each individual game or event that I was at. Because if you can't speak intelligently, knowledgeably about something, people are going to just gloss over you. You know, so I was always there to understand what it was I was taking in. And then after that, once I kind of had a, a, a good feel about that, then... I started to network and kind of, you know, uh, jump in and get in front of people. You know, now I think this is an area unlike how much access do you have to a LeBron James or a Derek Jeter, you know, but you've got a ton of access to um, influencers, streamers, professional players and people on the business scene, you know, find what their handles are, reach out to them and, and just kind of, hey, I'm new. I'm, I want to connect. How'd you do this? People are, people are okay with telling a story. They're okay with trying to help somebody out nine times out of 10. They want to know if you're serious about it though. You know, you can't just be like some Johnny come late and like, give me all your secrets and buy, you know, but if, mm -hmm. if they see that you're, you're actually invested in this and this is something you care about, everybody in this space is, is very generous with their time. They're very generous with their insights. They're generous with their connections so I, if there's any industry where the barriers of entry or just access is, isn't as rough, it's this one. So I would say mm -hmm. get out there, be seen, um, take, in the, take in this content, understand it. But also don't be afraid to reach out to people that you want to connect with. Don't be afraid to reach out to people that you want to know. If they say no, they say no. But if you sent something out to 10 people, three or four of them are going to respond to you like, hey, man, that's cool. When do you want to get together? Right. Right. My uh, my dad, I know that you guys both talked about um, your fathers were both in the military. My dad was a uh, or is a police officer here in Tennessee. So uh, as you know, Tennessee's got a lot of country singers and and whatnot. Famous people like to move down here in the middle of nowhere. Um, so he does some security work. And uh, it's funny because he he has a saying whenever he goes up to people, um, he, he doesn't get nervous or anything. And a lot of people ask like, you know, how do you approach these like famous singers and mm -hmm. stuff so casually? And he says, they're just another person. You know, if you look at it that way, it's, it's not as uh, intimidating. So I think, I think you're spot on, man. You just gotta, you gotta realize like, you know, Ninja, he's he's a he's another person. LeBron James, he's he's just a person. You know, 
so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think just getting in there and just being brave enough to, to, to ask questions, I think is, is really helpful. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, in this group and I've been around like professional sports for a while mm-hmm. and I would probably say the salty of the earth in terms of like sports, professional athletes are hockey players. Hockey players give so much of themselves. A lot of them are from like different countries. And this is an opportunity that, you know, that only their skill set allowed, you know, but um, so they are very generous with their time. They're very courteous and cordial with you. And I would say, um, I know there's toxicity out there and stuff like that, but I would say if you were genuine and you're willing to put yourself out there, I see that same level of openness, willingness to connect and, and help bring people along. But I think the thing is, you can't sit here and like fake like you know everything. I don't know everything. Um, I've been in this space. I'm continuing to learn. I'm not one of these 20 year OGs in this space. You know, like I said, my, my path started in, in March of mm-hmm. 16. But I do think you grow in dog years if you're willing to put the time and effort in. But at the same time, I know what I don't know. But um, where I, I hang my hat on is I know about my area. I know about esports from a destination perspective. I know about it from a, a venue perspective. I know about it mm-hmm. um, from being um, a minority in the space. Those are things that you that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Now, there's other things that like, wow, I didn't know this. And I'll ask the people, hey, man, what do you mean by that? You know, but I'm OK asking that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's interesting about the space since I've been going to events um, is that, you know, the big conversation is often like um, social anxiety and its impact within the gaming community in these events. And also a sense of kind of what we're talking about is this uh, imposter syndrome that that even some of the most successful people in the industry feel this way and i heard uh another um podcaster talk about this who's going to be on the show late uh later chris uh, from big esports that it some of the time it's because when when you're you're in these rooms you don't believe it you don't believe that this person ninja um shroud you know any of these big names that they can't possibly be the person that they say they are but then you it, it, that that's sort of some of that social anxiety that we all kind of are facing. Yeah, no, I, I do think there is a, a big thing about that imposter deal. Now, it's it's weird in that, I mean, you do have to have that confidence and you have to be able to see the success before it happens. I mean, and that's kind of like that small little piece of fake it till you make it, you know, and, you, you, and that's just kind of yeah. being confident in who you are before you arrive at that star status or something like that. I think everybody has to have that. And whether you just have to stare in the mirror a million times, but you have to get that. But on the flip side um, with esports, you think, I think it's because all- you think it's because they rise to fame so fast. It's like, where you don't see that in traditional sports because there's already a system sort of like you're in high school, you go to college after you're through college. So you kind of gradually get the fame. Um, well, you sit here and you see that with like um, yeah, streamers and other social media people, you know, like the Kardashians and then just other, you know, traditional social media folks, you know, something goes viral and then they, they follow it up with a couple of good things and now they're just a star, you know? And yeah. Um, but I think to some extent you have to believe that that's where you were going. Yeah. And I, um, so I do, I do like that self-confidence. Now it can't come across in arrogance, you know, I mean, and it can't, that is where the imposter syndrome comes in. Right. I mean, in, in in esports, you meet a million different people and you're like, oh, I'm a consultant in this. And this is like, Mm -hmm. no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, I mean, just simply say who you are and and what what you want to do and where you want to go. And I think people will understand that, you know, but um, because, I mean, it doesn't take but a quick minute. And a lot of us know each Mm -hmm. other. This field is pretty small, pretty small. So, I mean, we'll bounce a couple of names off of each other and kind of really 
you know, vet things out. Is it, is it as small? I've, I've, I've kind of thought this and then thought, well, it's international. I can't have, can't have possibly met everybody from India, everybody from Korea, everybody from around the world. But in the U S I feel I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's kind of a small group of people. The, the, the players are small, but there's always new entrance uh, mm-hmm. to the space because it's growing and everybody wants to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But um, I think one of the things that I kind of looked at this space into and just in terms of speaking internationally mm-hmm. is with MGM, I, I talked to leadership. I'm like, hey, um, we have to have a two pronged approach. One, we have to look at, you know, trying to win business here domestically, but we have to get out and get on a plane and go to international countries because the scene is different. The players are different. We don't know who they are, you know, um, and with America kind of jumping up in terms of revenue, either being on par with like Asia or surpassing Asia, everybody that's out there in the world of esports, in order to be successful and to be a world player, mm-hmm. you have to bring your pro- programs mm-hmm. and, and your events through the, the states. And so we're looking at the U.S. So um, I've been uh, to IEM Katowice mm-hmm. in Poland. I've been to DreamHack uh, winner in Jan Choping, Sweden. I was supposed to go to GamesCon this year and uh, League of Legends mm-hmm. Worlds, but then COVID hit. But they're on my travel calendar, you know, so I'm going to go out there. And um, mm-hmm. they will be new, but from what I've seen, the, the faces will be new until you've been two or three times. And after that, it will still go back right. to a small world. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Um Man, I'm I'm over here in a daze just listening to you talk. I'm just soaking in so much information, man. I I really appreciate you coming on. Um, time is money, so I know that we're uh, coming up on that hour. And I just want to thank you for the time that you've given us uh, on this podcast. No, I appreciate it. You know, I've um I've I've been you know seeing you guys popping up on, on LinkedIn and kind of starting to see what's going on and. I think you are definitely on to something. So keep up the good work. And um, I, I, I'm excited to be here too, because I think there is a, a part, a, a lane in esports that's uh, open for destinations and venues that we really don't talk about as much. And there are some cities out there who are doing some amazing things. And so I, I think this is, I think this field, this specific, specific lane is only going to get bigger. Yeah, man. I definitely agree. Um, before we head out here, is there anything you'd like to plug before we close out? Um, I would just say um, keep an eye out, you know, on some of the things that we're doing. Um, we are dotting the I's, crossing the T's, but in just in terms of like leveling up and really getting out there on a national level, we're going to, we're going to start to do that. And, we just finalized uh, some contracts kind of coming up. So we'll start to roll those things out. But um, but we've got some big things in store. So I would just say, you know, um, there's a lot going on in the district, you know, and, and, and you'll see us in a little bit. Where's the best place to keep updates? Is there an email list for events, DC? Um, you can go to our handles, uh, events DC on, um, you go to our website and we're actually in the process of, of updating our website. We're going to be rolling out a new website and it's going to go from like a calendar of events and stuff. So you can go to, um, our website, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram pages, and, uh, two other things that I kind of want to throw out there. I'm not, I'm thinking about it. We, on our website, we are launching, we've got nine physical venues, but one of the venue things that we're doing in this COVID world is that we are launching a 10th venue and it's going to be a virtual venue. Wow. And it's, it's called Gather by Events DC. And this is where we're going to have curated content live streamed on demand that kind of like talks about, you know, everything that's going on in, in, in DC, whether it's culinary, whether it's um, the arts, whether it's traditional stick and ball, um, whether it's esports, we're going to have just a whole bunch of different tabs and stuff like that. And then also physically in our convention center, we have just retrofitted one of the ballrooms for a virtual convention, uh, virtual um, uh, studio as well. So there's some things that we're kind of doing to really kind of align ourselves with like where we're at in the times and kind of where we're going. 
um, moving wow. forward. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to stay tuned and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on this podcast if you'll allow it. No, no, I, I, I love, I had a great time, <laughs> you know, Hey, whenever, whenever, you know, uh, you want to circle back, just let me know. I'd love to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Trent, you got anything you want to plug before we roll out? As always, follow us on social media. Our LinkedIn is uh, growing pretty rapidly. I'd like to think um, putting out, you know, the latest industry news as far as from all the mainstream players out there and as well as our own original content. Um, and then uh, join us on the Discord server where we're building a community of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, founders, um, people looking to get jobs in the industry, and everybody's communicating with each other, showcasing their talents. Um, and again, if you want to get access to our free bronze membership until the end of the year, January 1st, it runs out. Go to bronze.ebn.gg. Um, if you want to support this podcast particularly, you can go to anchor.fm slash network slash support. A small monthly contribution goes a long way in helping move this podcast forward. And if you just want to just give a small contribution, uh, you can go to our cash app uh, at dollar sign esports business or paypal.me slash esports business our esports biznet and a uh, small contribution also goes a long way in producing this show. Once again, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, thank you, Neil, for showing up. Uh, you've been listening to the esports business network podcast. And uh, we'll see you next week.